Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Inside the Winner's Circle here on the Win Life Podcast with Awilda Rivera. I am extremely excited today because I have Ryan Wilson, CEO and co-founder of The Gathering Spot Atlanta, an invite-only private membership club that has already amassed 1,500 members in only three years, home of Atlanta's professional, creative class, and entrepreneurs. And Forbes actually recently said, as a result of this place, Atlanta is not only the new Black Hollywood, but the new Silicon Valley. Named Small Business Person of the Year by the ATL Business Chronicle, and one of the most influential African Americans by the Route 100 and the Ebony Power 100, and named one of Atlanta's 500 most powerful leaders by Atlanta Magazine, Without further ado, Ryan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to to chop it up with you here today. Um, I know a lot of people have been seeing you on some quite notable uh, publications discussing what you've been doing. And, and the gathering spot here in Atlanta just celebrated three years recently, correct? Yeah, it's uh, it's been three years. It feels like a lot longer than that, but, but uh, we started in March 2016. Wow. And already you have, you know, really distinguished the gathering spot as, as quite the place to be in Atlanta. If you're a, a young entrepreneur or creative that's really looking to connect with like minded individuals. So let's let's take it back before the gathering spot, because people can read a ton of articles about, you know, how that came to be and all that. But let's take it back to before the gallery spot was an idea in your mind to, to young Ryan, you know, what were your aspirations as a youth? So I spent most of my uh, education wanting to become an attorney. Right. And so everything that I did was in preparation of, of going to law school. It wasn't until I got to law school that I saw that it really wasn't an environment um, that I didn't really enjoy law school while I was there, and I, I didn't think that I was going to enjoy my career as, as a lawyer. So that's when I began to start to pivot. Man, I, I didn't even realize we had that so much in common. Um, myself having gone to law school and graduated and realizing it wasn't really going to be the best thing for me. So, you know, speak to that a little bit. What, how, what was your family cool with it? Were they like, wait a minute? You know, especially as people of color, there's a lot of emphasis placed on sort of the big three uh, or the big four, you know, careers, engineering, medicine, attorneys and education. And so when you start to pivot away from that, would you meet any resistance? What was that experience like? No, I mean, I wouldn't say resistance. The cool thing about my, my family is that my parents are entrepreneurs. So I grew up inside of their their business. Um, the, the first company that they owned was called Ryla Teleservices. And so it's the first two letters of my name, Ryan, and the first two letters of my sister's name, Lauren. Um, and I watched that that company grow from two people in our basement to 5,000 or so plus people when they sold the company um, right as I was going to college. And so they were they were um, definitely. I, I don't know if I would use the word concerned, but right. I mean, they they, they thought that you know, it was it was a big pivot for me. I, I was a government major while an undergrad, which was all again about still trying to um becoming a, become a practicing lawyer. And then when I called uh, my dad between my first and second years and I said, hey, I don't think I'm going to do this. I'll graduate. But I have this idea for business um, that I may want to you know, do instead. He was cautiously optimistic and, and supportive. OK, now talk to me a little bit about sort of 
when you had, and, and this was the idea for the gathering spot, correct? Yeah, the, the idea for the gathering spot started, um, I went to a city club while I was working at the law firm between my first and second years of law school. And it was an interesting environment, right? I, I saw on a fundamental level what the like the purpose of those spaces were, but at the same time knew that it wasn't really a space that had been curated for me. So I started doing some research to figure out, hey, I mean, what, what private clubs maybe would be a good fit where I could have access to a network? I was also kind of um, nostalgic about my undergrad experience where I think, you know, one of the things that I, I didn't really appreciate while I was in undergrad was the ability to be able to be around people from all over the world who were studying different things. And suddenly I graduated and like that entire network seemed to go away. Um, and so, you know, going, going again back, you know, between these, these years of law school, I started thinking about, Hey, how, how could I recreate that experience in some way? And was there a city club experience, you know, that, that um, could kind of help to create that framework and fast forward, um, five or so months later, I was writing the business plan full time. Hmm. And for, you know, for some people that may be listening, that may not have any idea what a city club is, you know, it's a members only organization predominantly in the past, you know, older white men from well-to-do families, kind of like a country club vibe, yeah. um, you know, leather armchairs, whiskey, cigars, that kind of environment. Exactly. Um, very few women, uh, historically, um, and not so many people of color either. So once you decided to, to move forward with this, you know, was it like your passion where it was it like, okay, this is Eureka, you know, this is kind of what I've been put on this earth to do. So I'm going to pursue it. It was like, okay, this is the first thing I know I need to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, so I, I knew early on that, and, and I to back up a little bit, I was doing a ton of community work in undergrad, right? So that was a passion that I had already before the business was started. But to your point around just what historically country clubs or city clubs have represented, or, or rather, you know, not represented in terms of having diversity in the, in the club, we wanted this this space to be different. And so... TGS today, 65% of the membership base are minorities and 60% of the club are women. That's really, really important for us to make sure that those are two uh, demographics that not only are tolerated within the space, but are really celebrated here. Mm. And that's a really important distinction to make, you know, tolerate versus celebrate. Um, can you speak to, you know, as you've come into this, um, this role and you've become quite notable and, and someone to watch and, and well to do in the Atlanta space. How has, have you had any of those experiences of feeling tolerated or, you know, rather than celebrated or have you had to sort of bring that to bear um, in interactions with individuals who may not really be aware of that dynamic? Yeah, I mean, I, so I, I've done a decent amount of, of diversity work, and it's something that it's always top of mind for me. I mean, there's every space that we go into and really any experience that we have, there's a curator behind that experience, right? There's someone that's thought about how people are going to experience whatever it is, and they normally have a target demographic in mind when they're, uh, when they're creating whatever it is that they're creating. So th to me, it's, it's, 
it's a mistake a lot of times when we talk about spaces as being neutral, right? Because very few spaces are legitimately neutral because again, the curator kind of always has a target audience. So for private clubs, the target audience has traditionally been older white men, right? And, and that's, that's the experience that you'll find across the country. What we're setting out to, to set out to do here, right? And again, going back to this distinction between tolerance and acceptance, the world that we've, or, or, or celebration, the world that we've, um, we, we're in now, we, we talk about most spaces as being neutral and those spaces tolerate people who are outside of the target demographic. Mm. What, I, what I'm doing here um, is, is very, very different in that we are, we are targeting a different group, right? And are really trying to make sure that it is known that we're not claiming to be a neutral space. There's a very clear point of view here and that this space is a space where you're going to be celebrated. Hmm. Let me ask you this, Ryan, because a lot of people will say, well, that's a great and noble mission for now, right? But what happens when the big, big money donors roll in and they want to kind of switch it just a little, you know, just kind of move the needle a little bit more to the right, let's say, you know, how do you contend with, with that type of influence coming in and attempting to kind of put the thumb on the scale? You don't, you don't work with partners that don't understand your vision, right? And so we're not at a point now where we'll take capital for people that don't understand and, and really uh, share our vision of what, what I just shared with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're, um, we're really, really disciplined about that. And so to anybody that's an entrepreneur that's raising capital, it's like being in a marriage, right? You have to be very sure that the person that you're working with is someone that you want to work with, right? And if they don't share the same long-term plan that you have, and that's probably not a person that you should be doing business with. So the way that I avoid that is really by upfront making sure that I'm only taking capital from people that really um, appreciate and, and value and share our perspective. On mm. stuff. And what I want to highlight just, you know, for the listeners who may be like, whoa, this is a little bit over my head. I'm not playing sort of on that big a stage yet. You know, this don't let this kind of go over your head guys and ladies what he's saying is so important about discipline knowing your vision being really committed to uh, achieving that vision and and giving yourself permission to not work with people who are not in alignment with that vision so you could be, be making literally like little widgets on the side of the road and there could be someone who wants to give you $500 to keep making those widgets, but they want to change how you're doing it. If that, what they want to change isn't in line with what your widget is supposed, the problem your widget is supposed to solve in the world, then don't, you know, align yourself with that person. Don't take that person's money. You know, if you're creating a, a different type of project where you need creative collaboration, right? It's even more critical that the visions involved in that collaboration are in alignment. So really what Ryan is talking about it is applicable on so many different levels and so many different spaces, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, just to echo that point, I mean, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, right, you have to be con- like constantly in contact with your target market, right? And the the, the difference that or the mistake rather that a lot of businesses make is that they assume that their target market is everybody. The best businesses in the world really understand what motivates their core customer and they double down on that not and not on anything else right so don't make the mistake of trying to be something trying to build something for everybody 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the most, uh, I think, other contemporary examples that is in a completely different industry is someone like Amanda Seals, right, who's a comedian. She tells you what she is by telling you who she's not for. You know, this is not for the haters or the whatever. And she kind of runs down the list of who this is not for so that you know who it is for. And sometimes, you know, when I was in law school, one of the main things that they said is, like, you're going to know what you want to do by all the things you don't want to do. Um, and in business and in professional growth and even in personal development, you know, that's not that there's no difference uh, with those things. So, OK, so at this point, you've established the gathering spot. You know, the, the reputation is just, you know, building. You guys are set to open up D.C. and L.A. locations this year, which is just phenomenal. And as of late, you've also teamed up with, you know, Judge Media and Mike Wahlberg. Uh, Walbert, excuse me, with A to to purchase a controlling stake of A3C, which is Atlanta's oldest and, and sort of most well-known hip-hop conference. Talk to us a little bit about what made you decide to go that direction. So, I mean, we're community builders here at the Gathering Spot, so there's a lot of different ways to build community and a lot of different experiences that we can build. Um, one of the aspects of being a member of the club is that you have access to 20-plus member events that are curated, right? They're events that, that speak to both the professional but also the social interests of the membership. What A3C does is basically condense a programming that we would do over a month-long period into a two- or three-day-long experience, right? And so we very much so, um, in the same language as uh, the founders of that business. And, I mean, as you mentioned, we bought the company a couple of months ago with plans to, to make it an even larger experience that really showcases what's special here in Atlanta. So talk to me sort of about what, what's next for Ryan. You know, you, you clearly have a very special place in your heart for diversity, for community, for creating opportunities for individuals, you know, who are really looking to improve themselves to connect and continue to create what we call in yoga satsang, which is uplifting community, right? So what's next, you know, now that you have A3C and you have the gathering spot, where do you see this going? So, I mean, we're going to continue to build physical locations across the country. It's kind of my, our first goal. So uh, the club in D.C. will open later this year and then we'll open another club in Los Angeles. Um, past that, though, my my goal and part of my job right now is going across the country and looking for new cities to build build clubs in. So. We see that, you know, what we're trying to solve here around building community is not just a, an Atlanta problem. It's it's a, it's a problem found in uh, a lot of major uh, cities and communities across the country. And so we're going to build versions of this club in an additional market. So I uh, I'm not anywhere near where um, where we kind of want to be in terms of the club uh, you know, reaching its full potential. You know, I'm really glad you said that, Ron. On the show is instances where people who from the outside, I mean, people could say, well, I mean, he was just featured in Forbes. He's named on all these lists. And he just said he's not where he wants to be yet. What? Right. Can you speak to that a little bit? Can you speak to sort of that visionary mind and that mind of, of sort of undying commitment to attaining the ultimate goal? Yeah, I mean, so any person that I've studied that's been successful, um, you know, in my mind, 
there, there's a relentless pursuit and passion to try to make sure that they achieve whatever the main of goal was when they started, right? So our main goal was to have clubs across the country. I think one thing that, um, and, and to a certain extent, the process is meant to uh, try to um, make take entrepreneurs' heart out of out of the game. But I, I'm one of those people that believes that, like, no, if you have have an idea and you have um, you know a model that is working right try to maximize the, the potential and and you know you can't you can't be scared of that opportunity at all so i run at it uh you know pretty aggressively each day because you know there's we're, we're relatively small um in 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 terms of you know i, I we're in coca-cola's backyard <laughs> every day so when i i look up there are companies that have been going for much longer and much larger size right so there's there's still um more for us to to strive to become. Mm. And, you know, another thing that you just touched on is something that I'd like to highlight as well. You said with this sort of relentless aggression, not in a negative regret, but like, I'm going to do this. Right. Um, can you speak to like, do you ever wake up some days and are like not feeling it? Are there ever times where you're like, man, this is a lot of work and I'm just exhausted or you know, can you speak to that, that sort of balance or, or that reality that sometimes comes in because you are still human? Yeah, no. So I think it's it's important when you're having those moments to really separate what it is that you're not feeling. Right. So a lot of times when I sit back and look at what what I'm not excited about, it's normally a particular thing. Right. So the, no process of starting a business. It's not glamorous. Right. It's tough. It takes um, it takes a ton of time and, and, and energy um, away from you. Right. But but when I sit back and I really think about the things that are normally bothering me, it's I really don't want to do, you know, this particular thing. Right. But I'm still very, very, very committed to the overall concept and very, very passionate about the overall concept that you know I committed myself to years ago. As long as that fire is still lit, then, I mean, you have to you have to get over the the, the road bumps along the way. But, um, you know, make sure that, you know, when those days come differentiate between the thing that you're actually not enjoying at the moment and like if that is actually connected to the the overall mission Uh, most of the time it isn't Mm. and you know something that you just touched on is really important and I talk about this a lot in my book which is the idea of reflection right taking those times to reflect to really parse out the data right and as you mentioned when you're having those moments of resistance What's helpful for you is taking that reflection and really assessing the data and acknowledging, hey, I'm not over my dream. I'm not over like accomplishing what I, you know, the success I truly desire. What I'm over is this vendor or this issue around yeah, or this meeting or this person exactly, on my team. Or like whatever the yeah. coach just might have said that, you know, whatever, you know. And so I think that's so important because even if, the, you know, even if the people listening right now are career professionals and they are entrepreneurs, you know, the journey of success takes time. It's not doesn't happen overnight and it requires that consistent effort of showing up, acknowledging what's going on and being prepared to overcome the obstacles that, you know, Ryan has so eloquently highlighted. You know, the other thing that, you know, he he indicated that's so important is like, you know, give yourself permission to stop and reflect. Because a lot of times I think, and and you can please chime in here if you feel like I'm talking out of school, but a lot of times, especially with entrepreneurs and, 
and individuals of color who may be the first in their family or maybe the second generation to establish themselves in a particular way, there's a there's a lot of pressure around continually um, achieving and continually producing that sometimes works against you when in fact the thing that might serve you the most would be to take a take a moment step away and come back what do you think about that yeah i mean i think we have to reframe that entire that that entire perspective too right to me it's it's amazing to have the opportunity to be the first person in your family or the first person in your school or you know whatever you know however it is that you're you're trailblazing that's Mm -hmm. an honor right that's something that to be to be protected not not something that you look at and say you know, I mean, get, granted, there are real human moments where you're saying this is overwhelming, but the energy you bring to it every day can't be one of pessimism, right? I mean, it, it's you, you know, you hear folks say all the time, like, you know, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, part of what comes with being your ancestors' wildest dreams is the opportunity, right, to, to go push the boundaries farther than what could be imagined, right? That's an honor to me, right? I don't look at that and, and, and feel like it's a burden. And if you do, then you probably shouldn't be doing whatever the thing is that it, that you're doing because um, it's 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 a it's a privilege each each and every day for me to be able to to go and push these boundaries. Point That's blank. right. That's right. I I would agree with you one thousand percent. And and I love that you offered the reframing in that way, uh, because I think that regardless of your walk of life, your gender, your ethnicity, you know, the idea that you know, shifting your perspective around something that is a challenge and making it an opportunity I mean, is really um, powerful. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I'll give you another example, right? So, so it is difficult, uh, just statistically, right? Minorities, particularly black folks, don't raise the type of capital at the same valuation that you see our white counterparts do. That is just something that is seen. So that's a, it's, it, it's a, it's an objective statistic. So, is that fr- is that fact frustrating? It absolutely is. But what what but part of what our advantage here is is again going back to this idea of point of view. I'm 28 and black, right? I bring that experience into every part of what I'm doing each day, and it's part of what makes us competitive against businesses that have raised more money than us. So while they have more capital, right? They don't have more of of uh, more culture, right? In, in, a, in a sense, they don't have mm-hmm. more of the know how, more of the hustle, right? And and um, Apples to apples, when, when the, our business gets compared to theirs, despite them having 100 percent, 100 times sometimes more resources than what we've ever had, we are still very competitive. Right. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of different forms of capital, but the type of capital that that uh, we pay, I think, too much attention to sometimes is just cash. When mm-hmm. other times there's other things that you have that you bring to the table that cash can't compete with. Right. And, and if you come into the gathering spot each day, the culture that exists here at the club, you cannot go and put throw money at that and go and go and replicate it. That has to come from people who um, who understand, you know, the, the, the and share the same point of view. And, you know, I want to just underscore what you just said because essentially you're talking about the idea of leverage right and the things that we can leverage that you can't put a dollar sign on and understanding not only our unique skills and abilities but oh yeah uh so you talked about leverage right and the idea of understanding our unique skills and abilities and the way that we can not monetize them, but utilize that to distinguish ourselves. And, you know, what you highlighted about the gathering spot is apparent 
in any, you know, all over social media, all over, you know, public media, when you look at the people who are members and what they say about the experiences that they have there, you know, that's not something that you can just kind of wave off with a shrug of the shoulder. You're creating a unique and authentic experience that is unparalleled, you know? So, you know, what listeners whatever it is that you're doing right whatever your brand is whether you're working for somebody else you work for yourself or you're creating something recognize that there is invaluable wealth in the things that you can leverage that you can't put a dollar sign to that are uniquely you and uniquely of your creation like what ryan and his partner tk have done at the gathering spot right so you know, Ryan, you have really just graced us with so much uh, information, so much uh, motivation and inspiration. And one sort of last question I always like to ask my guests is if someone's been listening and they're super just like fired up and, you know, and they're you've inspired them and they want to aspire to, you know, not follow in your footsteps, but kind of tap into a little bit of that you know, chutzpah that you have and use it for themselves, what would be sort of one last piece of advice you'd give them to win life like you have? I don't, I thank you. I don't know winning life. That's, that's, uh, I don't know, striving to get better every day like everybody else. But I think that the, if there's one piece of advice that I have is that, um, there's, there's nobody more capable than you to go and accomplish or build whatever the thing is that you want to build. Um, part of how, Particularly when you're looking at starting a business, the entire process is set up is to try to uh, make sure that people aren't encouraged to do that, right? But you really have to understand that, like, you are really all that you need, you know, in many instances. I like to tell um, tell pe- other entrepreneurs two different things. First thing is that ideas are super, super cheap. Everybody has them, right? It's about who can execute on those ideas the best, Right. I mean, it, it, it doesn't really matter that you that you have a concept like you've got to go and execute on that concept, take a step at it every single day. Second thing that I want to uh, that I, I tell entrepreneurs is that when you're talking to people about a concept or talking to people about a dream, you have to protect it. But you also have to understand that if something is disruptive, almost by definition, people shouldn't understand what it is that you're building. Right. And so you can't be discouraged when you're talking to people about whatever it is that you're doing and they don't get it. Right. Because if you're building something new, no, no one really should. Um, I, I use the example of like uh, uh, we know the names of these companies, but imagine, imagine a world where people are going to come pick up strangers in their car and take them to whatever destination that they choose that they put in their phone. In concept. Right. That sounds crazy. Right. Until you go out and build it. And so don't be afraid to be a person that that is uh that's seeing things that other people aren't a lot of times that you know that that means that you're you're heading in the right direction Mm. and there's such you know again i just love the universality in what you're saying because again even for people that aren't entrepreneurs even for people that are you know career professionals or maybe listening because they're on a personal journey you know execution is key you can't lose that 100 pounds if you just sit on the couch all day, right? You can't you can't um, get the capital if you don't pitch yourself. You can't get the job if you don't go out for the promotion. And then likewise, 
you know, when you're building something and it's disruptive, people won't understand. So if you're becoming a better human or if you're seeking to create something that is new and has never been out there, you know, what Ryan's saying is absolutely correct. Protect your dream, but share it and kind of almost like uh, take it as a pat on the back when people are like, what? I don't understand that because it means that you're in many ways kind of first to market and, and first to really take a stab at it and a run on it. And in addition to that, you know, right before this, he said, you know, you're the most important person to go out and accomplish what you're trying to create. I mean, just that alone is such powerful advice. So again, Ryan, thank you so much. So for our, our community that's listening, that's based in Atlanta, or maybe we'll pass us through Atlanta a lot, you know, where can they go to find out more about you or hear you talk or about the gathering spot? So you can go on our website, thegatheringspot.club. Or if you're on social media, you can find the business at the gathering spots on all social platforms. I posted a little bit too at spot on RW. Perfect. Well, again, guys, you got a lot here. Remember, if you missed any of it, you can go back and listen again right now. Um, Trust me, this is not the last that you're going to hear about Ryan Wilson. Thank you again so much, Ryan, for being on. And until next time, you guys get out there and win life.